Non, c'est ce que je disais. Vous le voyez, s'évader, c'est de la blague. Après tout, tout est beau. Il n'y a qu'à s'intéresser aux choses et les trouver belles. Time has come. Catherine Bigelow. This and some of the other nice things that have happened to me in the last couple of days may turn me into some sort of hopeful optimist and ruin my whole life. Spoil? <laughs> Did he spoil me? I remember quite clearly, it was 1946 and I was four years old, my mother took me to see King Vidor's Duel in the Sun. Al film italiano Deserto Rosso di Michelangelo. Michelangelo Antonioni. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being, God damn it! My life has value! It's just that all men are sure it never happened to them and most women at one time or another have done it, so you do that. Three artists. In the presentation of the Palm d'Or. Adele, Leia, and Abdel, Abdel, Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Filmotomy podcast. This is episode 40. Um, on this week's podcast, we're going to be sort of recapping uh, the recent releases that have come out over the summer. Uh, so we're going to be discussing some mm, interesting blockbuster movies and, and seeing whether we recommend any. Uh, we'll also be sort of discussing uh, what films we're looking forward to the fall or autumn, depending on whether you're American or, or British or Australian, whatever you want to call it. You know what? What else is happening? What other films are coming out in the uh, remaining months of 2018? Uh, joining me today, I've got um, the great Jonathan, who's returning. Hello. Hello. And also joining me is Doug. Hi, Doug. How are you? Hi, everyone. I'm good, thank you. Are you sort of ready to go? You've watched lots of films, I hope. I have, but obviously in Australia it's it's our winter season. It's not our summer season, but uh, same same period. We get a lot of the same releases, so it's a big a big time for us as well. Yeah, how have you been feeling that this uh, this summer has been for films? Have you been sort? Of, I've been sort of like meh, not really. There's not been much that has appealed to me. It's been an interesting one. I think, like in years past, there's definitely been a lot, a lot of bigger films, a lot of uh, a lot more blockbusters. This this summer season, there's been some some really different choices and some really different films. Obviously, there's a lot of you know the sequels and 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 uh, tentpole movies from the studios, but then a lot of the sort of smaller stuff is certainly taking its chunk of the box office. Things like Hereditary and Black Klansman and Crazy Rich Asians, which obviously are still studio films, but are not necessarily what you would think are synonymous with summer. So it's been an interesting season. For me, I found like there's been a few, a few films that have just not appealed to me at all. Like, <laughs> I mean, have you got any of you guys seen, uh, is it uh, Skyscraper with Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Uh, you know, Doug, Doug, I'll let you take this one because I'm because I, I think I know what this movie's about, and if it and if my hunch is right, then I'm I feel like okay, I was right to avoid it. Yeah, I think you would probably see most reviews are kind of referring to it as Die Hard meets The Towering Inferno. Yes. And Come out to the coast. We'll get together, have a few laughs. It doesn't quite reach the heights of either of those movies. Uh, oh, I see what I mean, you did look, there. I see what you did well, there. Yeah, ah, nice oh, pun. very clever. Nice little pun. 
um, yeah, you know, you know what you're getting yourself into when you go into something like this. It's The Rock doing all sorts of crazy things and stunts and explosions and, you know, everything that you're expecting does actually happen. And there's obviously uh, a bit of a twist on it in that his character has uh, only one leg. His other leg is a prosthetic leg. And the movie kind of plays on that and then it kind of forgets about that at certain points in that, you know, at the start of the movie he has difficulty walking down a set of stairs and then later in the movie he's running across a giant crane and jumping into a building with no issues and that, you know, it's like they just completely forgot that that was supposed to be sort of an impairment of, of this character and it only, only played on when it, when it feels necessary to the screenplay. But, um, you know, I, yeah, it was... It was it was it was what it was. It wasn't anything amazing, but it's The Rock versus a burning building, basically. <laughs> and talk about uh, tough guys. We've also had um, oh Jason Statham uh, versus a shark in the Meg. Uh, you, <laughs> is a Meg better than skyscraper? Uh, well, it depends probably who you talk to, because I've, I've certainly seen a lot of people absolutely love the Meg, and then I was probably in the other camp of being pretty disappointed by it. Um, I think the trailers and the poster uh, gave, gave a sense of, not, not a Sharknado-type movie, but certainly something that didn't take itself really seriously, that was going to be a, a, a pretty silly, fun, you know, embrace the kind of absurdity, and it really took itself really seriously. Like it was really trying to be this real serious, heavy actiony, like a sort of jaws esque type movie. And when you're dealing with a 25 foot prehistoric shark that lives under the, under the ocean floor in a hidden cave, it's, you know, like the whole thing is, it, it, you know, embrace that. Don't, don't try and be something you're not. And, you know, there's some interesting scenes, but it, but it, because they toned it down to a PG-13, mm. there's not there's not a lot of blood. A lot of the deaths kind of the, the the movie cuts before you really see anything. There's not a lot happening because they've they've tried to keep it sort of tone it down to get that rating, and I think the movie really suffered because of that. But if you like Jason Statham, it's probably your kind of movie. There's a movie on. Uh... The sci-fi channel. It's called Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, and it's the title sound is exactly what you think it is. It's uh, it's a prehistoric megalodon versus a giant octopus, and I thought it would be as camp as camping as kind of fun like that. And I was thinking, oh, oh, it's basically it's basically just that, just no giant octopus. And from how you described it, that it takes itself way too seriously, and it's just. It's toned down to get that PG thirteen rating and to kind of get that that demographic in, in into the theaters mm. to see it. It's like wow, that, that's such a huge letdown. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you're going to do something like that, just you know, embrace how yeah. ludicrous your your premise is and just go out and just be as bloody as, as you want to. Yeah, I mean, you're never really going to top anything like Jaws. What can you do with a shark apart from have a tornado made out of? Sharks can't really make it. They're not really scary, and I think as well, it's like I read somewhere like how many shark deaths occur across the globe a year. It's like really, really, really tiny amounts. They're all in my country. Yeah. So 
just don't go to Australia. Um, so that's I don't yeah. I don't know. <laughs> would you recommend the Meg or Sky Skyscraper? I I probably like yeah. I don't I don't like to keep people out of the cinema, but I think both of these sort of seem more like you could wait for DVD, Blu-ray, streaming, something like that. They're not they're not really the kind that you sort of desperately need to see in a cinema. I think it's it's good to see them on a big screen, but I guess if you keep your expectations quite low, you may not be as disappointed as I certainly was. But um yeah. Moving on, we've had Mission Impossible is it six now? What's it? Yeah, yeah, Fallout. Mm-hmm. I forget what they all are called. This one was actually, uh, I think the best one's probably was the last one, which is uh, Rogue Nation. I was very impressed with, with a lot of the action sequences in this movie. It, they're very, um, it, I, 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 it, it's kind of like almost like watching in a, in a way Mad Max Fury Road. The mm. attention to detail with the choreography and this really really heavily relying on practical offense and stunt work and stuff like that. And it I love how it's you could actually see what's going on and the action between the characters and the fights. That I thought that was very spectacularly well shot and well edited and the uh sound editing, sound mixing is almost perfect. In terms of story, it's it, it's pretty it, it's almost predictable. Especially because there's there's a certain there's a few twists in the movie and, and those you could you could easily kind of see going coming from a mile off. But if, if you're going for it just for an for a really entertaining you know at times you know thrilling action film that this really does it. Also, Tom Cruise is out of his goddamn mind. <laughs> I mean, apparently, you know, when he um, he had broken his leg during filming, during during uh, jumping out of a window. I mean, the the the, the attention to the craft to actually br- to really put himself on the line to do these stunts is is incredible. But you know, there's nothing wrong with using a stuntman <laughs> from time to time. I was never, I don't know, I was never a huge fan of the franchise, and then definitely the last probably couple of films have really upped the game in terms of that physical filmmaking with the with the stunts and the action and, and you, you know there's something uh interesting of watching something that you know is not being created in a computer it's not green screen it's not you know the digital wizardry that we've you know become accustomed to with a lot of action movies when you're really seeing things being done for real that it gives such a sense of sort of authenticity to what you're watching and that that that's definitely what happens in fallout you know you're seeing these people and you're seeing these helicopters and cars and, and everything happening in front of you. It creates such a different experience. And, I mean, yeah, Tom Cruise, like, the stuff he's doing in this movie is just nuts. And the fact that the the scene where he does break either his ankle or his leg or whatever it was is left in the movie. They actually really? used that yes. take. Yeah. They actually, you can see it happening because he's jumping between buildings. You can see him clip the edge of the building and then kind of get up and limp off. They left that in the film, which is just nuts. But I suppose, yeah, the, the storyline in it isn't probably the most original, you know, like a bunch of terrorists have stolen some nuclear weapons and they're going to oh, set they them off. And do that. that. That, yeah, that old yeah. trope, like it's been done to death. That's probably the one, I guess, negative about this film is that it's not necessarily the most original in its concept, but 
when when the action is that much fun and there's some great, uh, you know, the great characters and a good ensemble cast and Henry Cavill's mustache, and, you know, <laughs> it's 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 yeah, it's a fun, a really fun time. Like you walk out just having a really probably the best time I had this summer in a cinema was in Mission Impossible, definitely. We've had uh, another sequel, but this time uh, in the form of Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Um, <laughs> I don't suppose any of you two have seen it at all. Or have you? I have, I, I have, I, yeah. My thing on, on musicals I've seen, oh God, the last musical I've, I've seen was, I think, La La Land or something like that. You said you have seen it, Doug. I have, yeah. I, I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of the first one. I do, I do, I remember seeing the stage version, the Broadway version. Um, I, I guess everybody somewhat liked ABBA. Like, it's kind of hard not to. Yeah, um, that's so catchy. Their music, it's so catchy. And, you know, it's been around for such a long time and your parents probably listened to it and they've passed it on. And everybody at least likes one ABBA song. I mean, and how can you not like Meryl Streep as well? Mm. But I mean, the first one was so campy and silly and fun and, you know, it's hard not to kind of get carried away with it. And I suppose the sequel is kind of the same. It's just, it's more of the same. My, I guess my issue with it was they had used all of ABBA's best songs in the first movie. And now we're getting into the kind of B-side, scraping the barrel of songs you've probably may or may not have heard, unless you're a huge fan and then they just redo a whole bunch of the same songs from the first movie again. So, you know, Dancing Queen they do again, and Mamma Mia they do again, and then Waterloo. And it's kind of like, well, we saw all these in the first movie, but we're seeing them all again. But, okay, we'll go for it because, you know, those are the best ABBA songs, so why not? You know, I, I, again, it, it's just another another bit of sort of summer escapism that it's, you know, not trying to be anything particularly serious and it's just a bit of fluffy fun and, you know... You just kind of get swept away. And then, you know, of course, Cher, Cher pops in at the end with her crazy cameo. You want to see Cher singing Fernando, then you get a good time with that. I mean, I suppose it is good, silly fun. And what about Ant-Man and the Wasp? That's obviously probably been the biggest superhero release of the summer. I, I, I really enjoyed it. With, the, with that, it's not what I was expecting, Um with something like this, I'm expecting. Okay, it's going to continue on the uh, uh, what happened with Infinity War, and it doesn't. And it doesn't really do that until the very, very end. This one is just mostly again. It's it, it's in the it's in the caper um, mentality. They're trying to steal. You know, Scotts and Hope are trying to steal something back that was taken from them, and they have to put a crew together. But I really enjoyed the uh, report between Ev- Evangeline Lily's Wasp and Paul Rudd's Ant-Man. I thought they bounced off each other very, very well. Yeah, I, I thought it was a bit odd that they had this sort of release after the Avengers. I wonder whether Avengers would have been better suited to being in the summer. Um, sort of more in a real mm. state. But, um, it, I mean, it just, I don't know, like... Uh, I, I like the first Ant Man film. Is it is it as funny? I think it's as funny. There's still there's some really good jokes in there, uh, mm. especially with the uh, when um, Scott's trying on the new Ant Man suit and it constantly phases between him being small and <laughs> like a child and really mm. big. 
I thought that 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 joke was really funny when they're uh, going to uh, her, her daughter's um, his daughter's um, elementary school to get the old suit. I thought that was very funny. <laughs> yeah, I think it, you know after Infinity War kind of sort of devastated everybody. It was nice to see something on a, a bit of a smaller scale. In that you know it's a, it's not this grand end of the world type thing. It's just, it's a very small story. It's a small, obviously a much smaller cast and it's only concerned with a a very small plot rather than some giant villain coming to take over the world. I think that's definitely what we all needed after how grand and huge Avengers Infinity War was. And with the way it ended, we needed something obviously a bit lighter, a bit more lighthearted, a bit more fun and less concerned with the bigger sort of Marvel picture that it was, it was really just focusing on what was happening to these characters in this story as, as separated from the bigger picture of the whole sort of cinematic universe. I mean, yes, it it obviously has to connect at the end and it's going to connect in the next Avengers movie, but in, in, in itself, it stands on its own. It's just, you know, same sort of uh, humor as the first one, uh, great supporting cast. Um, I would have liked a bit more Michelle Pfeiffer. She, she's definitely, yeah. uh, you know, she's a big part of the advertising. She had her own poster. She's included in all, all the sort of advertising material, and she's definitely not in the film very much, but hopefully... Yeah, it's almost like a... It's, almost like a it's a cameo, yeah. It's an extended cameo, really, which is fine. Talking about another superhero movie, obviously we had the long-awaited sequel to Incredibles uh, come out... Um. Oh yeah. I. I. It's. It's hard. To, you know. With, with that movie, it's like I consider Incredibles the first one to be probably one of the best Pixar movies ever, if not my mm-hmm. favorite. And it's like, how do you? How do you top? How do you really make a movie that is as good as the, as that movie, if not better? And the thing I liked what uh, Brad Bird did. He didn't try to. He's decided. Mm-hmm. You know what? We're. I want to do. Let's do something that something different. Let's explore Elastigirl. Let's have her be kind of more of the main character in this movie, and then have Bob, you know, learn more about what it means to be a parent. I mean, I thought that uh, split was 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 worked very well. It's, it's taking um, picking off from where it left off, isn't it? Is that the yes, case? Mm. Like, literally, like, almost literally. immediately. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's quite good, because I was a little bit worried that they would try and do it, like, five years later type of thing, and it's like these characters have grown up, but I kind of like like them now, like, how they are. Mm. Just mm. Especially the little baby is just my favorite mm. character in that, just because I just love him, and it's amazing, like, how they get him animated and his facial expressions, and it's just... It was just like The Incredibles was such a good film. I think, well, yeah, I think because it's because it's different and it doesn't it doesn't try to just kind of repeat the same thing. I mean, that's that's the thing we we always moan about with sequels is that when they're just redoing what the original did and nothing and giving us nothing new. And I mean that that's what I guess Pixar where they set themselves apart. Whether whether some of their sequels and their prequels have been as good as the first has been a bit of a mixed bag. Obviously the Toy Story ones have gotten significantly better with each one. But something like Monsters University and even Finding Dory and the Cars movies have been a little bit disappointing. But this I, I, I think it's it definitely as good as maybe even slightly better. I think the animation obviously it's been 
15 years or however long it was between the films, the animation by comparison is, is stunning in the sequel. The, the, the sequences they're doing, it's the action stuff as well as the character design. I mean, that's what they do so, so well. Um, just the look and feel of it, the, the kind of the retro vibe of everything, the suits and the, the, that, the amazing house that they stay in and, just, I mean, it's 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 such a, a beautiful looking film, and I think it's it's kind of easy to say that the the race for best animated feature at the Oscars next year is already over. Mm, I mean, although I must say, like when it comes to the Oscars, um, it always feels like Pixar do walk away with it, and sometimes yeah. I mean, there's, some, <laughs> there's been some good animation recently, two D animation, uh, which. It's kind of getting over. I think gets overlooked. I think as well is that there hasn't been that great comedy this year. I don't know about you. Has it? I mean, unless you guys have watched a great. Comedy. I think the best comedy I've seen recently probably Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, I'm, mm, are you I would to agree watch that? with that. Or if I, I, I it depends. I mean, it, 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 I like. I loved Crazy Rich Asians and as a romantic comedy, and I think it's mm. probably one of the best films I've seen this year. Mm. In terms of com- like comedy, like flat-out, laugh-out-loud, I, yeah. yeah. I, I go game night. Yeah, yes, or blockers. Yeah. I was just going to ask you guys what you think was your sort of favourite film of the summer. So, Mine is a very... This is not a summer movie at all, but it was released in summer, so I'm, I'm going to count it. Mine was probably <laughs> Hereditary. I thought... Oh, that was good. <laughs> I mean, I I'm still coming to terms with that movie. <laughs> yes. The, the, some of those scenes, I just think. I mean, it's interesting because I, I it got it got hyped up because I think they showed it at uh, Sundance early in the year, and I think the hype has been building for this from then. Like I've seen people who saw it there talking on Twitter about it for months, and you know, it's the scariest film of all time. And I I, I don't like when things get labelled that because it tends right. to up up the hype to you to, to expectations that some films never match and I, I have a friend who's a really big horror fan who had probably heard all that buzz went and saw it was actually disappointed because I um, you know you get that expectation in your head of something that it's not and but 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 for me it, you know I wouldn't call it the scariest film of all time but it was definitely, it's definitely disturbing disturbing it's like, unsettling oh. yeah yes. yeah that that because scary is a I mean that's a subjective term. What what's clowns scare me, but they don't scare everybody. So you know you, you can't say a film is the scariest film of all time because that's a real subjective reaction. But mm. it's definitely one of the most yeah unsettling, unnerving, really jarring experiences I can ever remember having. Um, they're just some of those visuals are still stuck in my mind, you know, a couple of months later. I, I can't I can't shake that film. And for me, that's the sign of a really brilliant piece of cinema is when you just cannot get something out of your head. You can remember practically every moment of that film. Yeah, yeah. it's been it, it was perhaps just the most sort of the <laughs> moments in that film which have just stayed with me. And I don't want mm. to too much away but i'm pretty sure uh you'll you'll know what sort of scenes i'm talking about you know yeah say <laughs> it it really sort of like hits you and you're just like okay there's no turning back this is mm-hmm. it's all yeah, that moment. downhill from now mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. uh in terms of films that i've seen which 
uh, th over the summer. Mostly, uh, I've been watching a lot of documentaries. I've seen some really good documentaries uh, this summer. I've, I've seen Eyes of Awesome Wells, which is the sort of Mark Cousins documentary discussing Awesome Wells' uh, paintings that he did and sort of talking about his life and um, really sort of like the most epic fan letter that you could ever do it's really sort of quite a nice very personal film i think it clearly shows mark cousins like uh admiration for awesome wells which you know comes across as very passionate and it's a very interesting film because it kind of deconstructs who awesome wells was and we know him as being this big large character who was you know, uh, Susan Kane and everything, but this kind of makes him, well, it appear more human. I would kind of seeing what he was behind, you know, the the greatest film director ever to live sort of title. Um, I've also seen uh, Generation Wealth, which was a really great film, um, sort of talking about our obsession with wealth and, and money and the lengths that we go to try and achieve it which was really sort of eye-opening uh definitely a, a, a documentary that will make you think twice about you know <laughs> material goods and all that so that that's one that i recommend um uh, i also saw uh the miseducation of cameron post which uh, I got a special preview <clears throat> screening to see which i think has uh chloe uh, Moretz's greatest performance in it so far uh, of her uh, career. Amazing. Um, that was a film that I wasn't really expecting. Uh, you know, I kind of wasn't really expecting much from. But then it, I always try to feel like going in with less expectations. You're not really going to be that disappointed. But I was really sort of blown away by it and at the end it's just like this great ending you're just like oh my god yes you just sort of cheer <laughs> um, so it was a really interesting film I got some very sort of serious moments in, in it but there's some really hilarious moments as well and it's really funny um, do, you, do you think that could be an awards contender because I, I, I saw it at the Sydney Film Festival yeah, a couple of months ago and like I, I know that, that generally that kind of gay cinema genre usually falls in the awards category but um i don't know i guess it's coming out a bit earlier it's pre pre-oscar season i'm not sure if they're confident i think definitely uh best adaptation maybe mm. Uh, mm. i would hope that it would get her sort of uh a nomination Notice, yeah, yeah um mm. she's definitely doing some that's there's one scene in particular which broke me and had me in tears and I was just blown away by it. You know, it's very powerful. Definitely one film that I've seen which has been really good and I, I if it doesn't get an Oscar, then I'm really going to be angry. And I already... think I know what movie you're talking about because I'm pretty <laughs> sure I've seen this one too. Well, um, Cold War uh, is the film. Okay, that's not the one I was thinking of. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Well, no, what's the film that you were thinking about? I was thinking of First Reformed. I oh, thought that's wow, a weird yes. film. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Well, it's mm. definitely First Reformed. I mean, <laughs> that's a great film, but... It is. 
That's an amazing performance by by Ethan. I don't like superhero films. <laughs> uh, I'm now calling him um, an, an enemy of film Twitter. Yeah, I'd be oh, poor. I feel sorry for him. <laughs> I actually feel. A I get bit... what he was trying to say. I get what he was trying to say, but he said it in a very unfortunate <laughs> way. That, yeah. <laughs> He he kind of did uh, a little bit of yeah a p- bit of foot in mouth type of thing. Foot in mouth, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but yes, that is a great performance by him. Um, mm. Obviously, mm. Uh, the director Paul Schrader. Schreider, Schreider. Yeah. Um, best film, I think. It's very sort of the ending is just. Wow, uh, we've had some really yes. good endings this year for films. There've been some incredible ones. I mean, I don't want to yeah. give away any, but you know, Hereditary that was mm. an amazing ending, and I think we're getting some sort of really good. Well, I suppose downbeat, very sort of open-ended, you know. Mm. Uh, but definitely, think First Reformed has been one of the best films, and I'm. It's come out in the summer for me, so I'm counting uh, that. Bianca, before before you uh, get to Cold War, there's one movie I would like to talk about sure. that it hasn't hasn't. I don't know. I don't know if either of you have seen it or if it's gotten. It's made its it's made its way toward you yet, but it, when it if it doesn't if it hasn't and when it does, you gotta see it. And it's this is probably the best film I've seen this year. It's called Sorry to Bother You. I really want to see it. We don't have, yeah, we don't have. Oh that God, it's it. It's it so is a. This is a satirical masterpiece. I mean, mm-hmm. it's by a guy named Boots Riley. He's a activist rapper based out of Oakland. This is his first film, and what a statement! What a statement movie to come out with. Uh, it's about this guy who who who's a who becomes a telemarketer. He's trying to make ends meet. And he uses his uh, white voice in order to sell <laughs> company shit. Like, yeah. literally, just stuff like uh, something from uh, Regal View, which is now doing um, voluntary uh, slavery. Mm. It's. And then it, I'd have to stop there because, frankly, from there. The whole movie is so absurd and so brutal in how it talks about slave labor, how it talks about uh, our society. And then towards the third act, there's a moment – again, I, I can't spoil this, but also if I told you exactly what happens, you would not believe me. And you think, <laughs> really? You're mad. But it, it's a brilliant piece of filmmaking, and it's just – Something that, like, like with you, uh, Doug, with Hereditary, this is, I've seen this movie twice, and it still stays with me long after the credits roll, and it's, 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 it's something to seek out, and it's a movie I really hope the Academy looks at for original screenplay. I doubt it gets anything else beyond that, but it is a brilliant, brilliant, searing, hilarious piece of filmmaking that you have to see. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know when it's going to be released here in the UK. It's kind of like eighth grade. I really want to see. As yeah, well. that's yeah, another good saying. one. Yeah, there's some sort of international issue with both of those. I'm not sure what's happening because it's very frustrating. It's it's mm. uh, yeah. I know a lot of people that I know in terms of the film fans in Australia are dying to see both of those films, and 
there is there is literally no no release date information at all at the moment, and I'm not sure what. So it's very frustrating. Yeah, I mean, uh, luckily I, I obviously got to see Cold War before it was re- released here. Uh, it's oh. a special preview uh, screening, and my gosh, what beautiful film! Beautiful Absolute, film, mm-hmm. absolutely gorgeous. My review's obviously up on the site, so I won't really go over it here. But um, do check it out. I mean, for me, it it's just everything I like about film, everything I like mm. about cinema. It really is just um, shows you that cinema is art, and and in, <laughs> in you know every way and if I could give best picture I would give it to that but you know I'm not in charge of the academy but I'm pretty sure it will win best foreign language um, film at, mm. at the Oscars mm. well obviously in probably you know about two weeks or so we're we're sort of kicking off Oscar season again it's it feels like the last one just finished and yet here we go again it's starting all up again so we've got all those sort of Oscar-y movies coming out in the next couple of months, sort of to all the way towards the end of the year. So uh, First Man and A Star is Born and The Favourite and Roma and Widows, If Bill Street Could Talk, Beautiful Boy, Boy Raised. It's, you know, uh, and, uh, it's an exhausting period when you look at what's to come. Um, but, you know, Oscar season is always fun because, I mean, that, that's definitely... end of year loaded with the with you know quote unquote the best movies of the year so it's always a great a great period um the one i'm probably looking forward to the most out of i i I guess there's a bit of oscar buzz around it is suspiria i think that looks very very interesting um both the trailers now have been very terrifying and unsettling and visual but visually you know very very interesting um particularly coming from i hate trying to pronounce his name luca Guadagnino, who obviously gave us Call Me By Your Name last year. Um, it's such a different choice for him to kind of follow up, you know, a really serious, heavy, gay drama with a, a out-there horror movie like this that looks unlike anything else that's coming this year. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that. The score is being done by uh, Tom York of Radiohead, and they are probably my favorite band ever and he's just someone i have looked up to since my um high school days so him doing a score is going to be something that's going to be a real treat um something but probably the movie i'm looking forward to there's a couple Barry Jenkins' follow-up to Moonlight in uh, If Beale Street Could Talk. I'm looking forward to First Man. Uh, I, again, Damon Giselle is a terrific director, and this is an interesting follow-up to after uh, something like, like La La Land. Probably the one I'm looking forward to the most is is Alf- Alfonso Cuaron's uh, Roma. Uh, again, it's, I, I love, I love the, the, uh, the choices for, by some of these directors mm-hmm. following up their... Something that something they've made that won them an Oscar or got them an Oscar nomination, and they're mm-hmm. going in, in a di- completely different direction. Like yeah. after Caron won uh, Best Director for Gravity, he's making something much a lot smaller, something that's mm-hmm. going to be on Netflix, and mm-hmm. something that's shot in pristine black and white that has to do with the family living in Mexico during, I guess, what might be a turbulent time. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that's. Really, that's a really radical 
wait, uh, and I'd be remiss if I hadn't said Widows yeah. by uh, Steve McQueen. And again, it's an, it's his follow-up to 12 Years a Slave, and it's, I don't know if it's a... Completely direct, different direction, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I mean, uh, for me, I've got, like, a lot of, um, I suppose, I've actually, like I've mentioned, I'm interested in seeing uh, the house that Jack built by... Really? Yeah, good old friend uh, Lars. Oh. Um, I, I I thought I was a Jew for a long time. So, that was a surprise. Like I I just assumed you'd be avoiding that movie like the plague. And then I found out that I was really a Nazi. Well, I'm also interested in seeing Climax, the film by Gaspar Noe. Yeah, another. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is about them. Like, what punishment? I don't know. I just can't help it. I just suddenly feel my, like a need to watch them just to see whether they really are horrific compared to the other films that I've watched by these two directors. What can I say? Um, I, I understand Hitler. I'm also interested in seeing uh, The Favourite, um, which mm. looks mm. very interesting. Is uh, Now... I'm not going to try and pronounce the director's name. <laughs> if Robin was here, he would be able to do it perfectly. Logos um, Lanthimos. Uh, directed by the uh, director who did, obviously, Dogtooth, uh, The Lobster, and last year's really surreal uh, film, The Killing of the Sacred Deer. So those are three films that I've been very impressed with. Um, so I'm quite eager to see The Favourite, which is... Uh, Sort of uh, in the sort of set in the 18th century, uh, and it's all about the sort of Queen Anne, who's and uh, it, it looks really sort of weird and kind of a bit of like mm. a comedy. It's got Olivia Coleman, who I absolutely love in it, uh, she's amazing. Uh, and another sort of Queen related film I'm looking forward to is uh, Mary Queen of Scots, which yeah. looks really yeah, that's good. What's... The, the sort of Mary Stuart who attempts to overthrow her cousin Queen Elizabeth, you know, who was part of the Tudors, uh, you know, she was the daughter of Henry VIII. And then Mary, uh, who is known as Mary Queen of Scots, is, is thrown in jail uh, and sort of condoned to like years of imprisonment, uh, imprisonment before being executed. Um, mm. So I don't think it's going to be in a... I'm hoping it's not going to be in a... <laughs> it's pretty bleak. Yeah, it's, it's very, pretty bleak. It's a very bleak story. Um, the... and, 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 I mean, it's got Saoirse Ronan, so it's, you know... That's, right. That, that immediately elevates it above... It, for me, it, I, I would watch her read a newspaper, so, you know, it's, I just think she is one of the best actresses working, and, you know, I, th- I think this certainly looks like this could be... Would this be her... Fourth, fourth, fourth nomination. Fourth yeah, yeah, for yeah. someone in, in her twenties, like that's that's unheard of. Oh man, I'm so jealous of her. <laughs> uh. <laughs>